With today's options and resale, like you can find something that is going to be fashionable and stylish and reflect whatever it is that is important to you and your brand. Welcome back to Duo On Air. I'm Abby. And I'm Courtney. And we're the ex-agency turned entrepreneurial team that puts the Duo in Duo Collective. Our boutique organic marketing agency specializes in SEO, social media strategy, and brand. We're an everyday pair of business besties slash marketing experts obsessed with helping our community learn more about what it takes to run a business. Which is why on Duo On Air, we're not holding anything back. We're giving you all the info we know about how to grow your business organically so you can be the confident CEO you were made to be. And how to navigate life as a small business owner. Whether it's on your own or with your best friend by your side. So grab your coffee or your mimosa, we don't judge, and settle in for a quick value-packed episode of Marketing Tips. Welcome back to the Duo On Air podcast. This is episode number 95, and we love when we get to bring new topics to the pod. Today, we're talking all about fashion. Now, if you're thinking, well, Abby, I typically roll up to my laptop in my slippers, leggings, and a comfy sweatshirt, how on earth will this episode apply to me? Don't worry, that's me too, and it will, I promise. (laughs) In this episode, we talk about not just fashion, but what circular fashion is and the power of buying quality used pieces. We also touch on the importance of living your brand values, especially when it comes to things like sustainability and zero waste, something we never even thought of as brand experts. This episode is so unique and so good, we just can't wait for you to listen to it. So get ready to download some new shopping apps and discover a new way to find your next brand photo shoot outfit. Let's get into it. Hello, Emily. Thank you so much for joining us on the Duo On Air podcast. Hello, hello, hello. It's good to be here. We are so excited. Okay, so how about before we dive into everything else, let's just introduce you to everyone. Why don't you tell everyone who you are and what your business is? Yeah. So uh, my name is Emily Schwartz and I am the founder of The Resale Stylist and I help consumers really navigate the secondhand and resale marketplace uh, today. That's awesome. And with this episode is something that we've never actually talked about before, like incorporating style, fashion, all of that stuff into business and the way you work and your everyday. Um, So we're super excited about this. We've actually worked from an SEO perspective with like a few stylists, but we've never brought it into like the branding business world. So this is going to be really fun. Oh yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. So how about you tell us how you got, how did you get into like this resale world though, the fashion world in general? (laughs) Yeah. So I, um, you know, sometimes I talk to people and they're like, oh yeah, you know, I've loved fashion since I was a little girl. And that is not me. (laughs) I did not grow up obsessed with fashion. I did not grow up thinking that I would ever um, be making money in the fashion space. I really didn't fall into fashion until I graduated college and I was in the working world. And um, my first job, I thought I was going to be a journalist for the rest of my life. I was working as a producer at NPR, you know, straight out of school. I had like the worst hours in the world, right? You know, you're you're low in the in the system. I think I was working from like 4 a.m. until like noon or something like that. It was brutal. And, you know, it was my first job. I had never worked at an office before. And, you know, I went to the mall and I got my little like Ann Taylor pants and like my little blouse. And I showed up at the office. And even though it was really early in the morning, right? Like that, that newsroom was bustling at that hour of the day. 
And I think I was really unprepared for, you know, just kind of showing up to the office in what I thought was really traditional workwear and looking around and kind of seeing that like everyone else who was, you know, in my age and kind of in my same kind of job family was more or less like wearing the exact same thing. And maybe it was in a different color, maybe like a pant length was slightly different, but we were all kind of in variations on the same theme. And, you know, here I was, I was like this hungry, young producer who was really actually like trying to stand out and grow and be ambitious. And I would show up every day kind of feeling like, you know, I, I just looked the same as everybody else. I didn't feel special. I didn't feel like, um, you know, anyone was going to notice me in any sort of positive way. I was really unprepared for how wearing what everyone else was wearing was going to make me feel like this cog in the system. So, you know, I, I was young, I was green. I think I was making like $30,000 a year um, living and working in DC. And, you know, I didn't have a ton of money to go out and buy crazy, unique, expensive pieces that were going to make me, you know, help me feel more confident and stand out in the office. So I started going to, you know, secondhand stores in DC because I discovered through resale, I could find higher quality pieces that were more unique and that felt more true to, you know, not only who I was at the time, but who I wanted to be. Um, there were way less money than, you know, going to the mall and getting that, you know, silky Ann Taylor blouse or something, right? So that that was really my foray into style. And it it really was born out of, I mean, necessity sounds like too strong of a word, but like it was born out of me just feeling uncomfortable showing up in the office feeling and looking like everybody else and, and wanting to stand out. And when I say stand out, I don't mean like dressing in avant-garde, you know, costumey stuff, just something that didn't feel like literally what everyone else also went to the mall and picked up and was wearing, right? So that was really um, my start. And even as my career grew and as my salary grew, um, as my job families moved around, right? I moved out of journalism. I was working in technology for a long time. I worked in software development. Um, we could talk about that if we want, but I did a total career pivot. <laughs> you know, e even as my career was growing and my salary was growing, I found that that shopping secondhand and shopping resale was really where I was driving, not driving, really where I was getting a lot of my ambition and confidence in the workplace. And what started happening is that my colleagues and friends and family started taking note, right? It was, Emily, where'd you get that great blazer? Emily, where'd you get those, those great shoes, right? And by the time that I was working in product management at Capital One, I was starting to be more well-known for these, these unique pieces than, I mean, I'm, you know, I, quest you know I, I don't love saying like I was more well known for that than my actual job but the reality <laughs> was is people were coming to me being like hey you know I have this big presentation next week I'm looking for a blazer that's gonna you know fit well make me feel great can you help me find something and that's where I started spending my time mm -hmm. and um you know this started just happening enough 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 um that I got enough signal that I was like you know what maybe there's a way that I can try to take my expertise in this space and my love and interest in this space and help others and even though you know again for, for my own situation it was kind of born out of wanting to feel more confident in my own skin um there was definitely an economic driver right 
as the years went on, you know, there's also this like massive sustainability play that comes, you know, into the conversation and, you know, learning more about where our clothes come from, and, you know, just all that, all the waste that goes into that. So anyway, it's, it's been a long road, but, um, about a year ago, maybe a little more than that, I decided to just try to leave the nine to five behind to really try to embrace kind of helping others navigate this resale world and helping, um, you know, women look and feel really great and showing up uh, to work every day and, you know, helping them accomplish their ambitions. And here we are. Awesome. Yeah. That is amazing. How how has that pivot been for you? Like, so you went from the like world of an office, right? Being surrounded by people standing out to now which maybe you work with a lot of people who are still in office too, but like, how did your mindset shift to, to being like on your own and like being Mm -hmm. home? Like, did that really affect how you approach this? So it's kind of interesting. I am someone who cannot get work done if I'm in my sweatpants all day, (laughs) right? I know that there are lots of people who work from home and, um, leggings on a sweatshirt. And they're actually, we, there are actually studies that show that like when we wear what is authentic to ourselves, we do perform better, right? It's like, we're not focused on other stuff. We're not focused on uncomfortable, you know, shoes or whatever it is. Like, we're just, you know, we feel like ourselves, we do good work. Um, for me, I'm someone that even working from home by myself, I personally need to dress in something that, um, that, you know, is going to help me feel confident. And for me, that's, that's not sweatpants and leggings for some people it is. And that's, that's totally fine. Um, you know, you asked about, you know, what it's been like kind of transitioning also from working, you know, in a team and an office to working by myself. And absolutely. It's been a massive, massive change, right? I went from, you know, having people to delegate to having collaborators, having, you know, endless resources, um, to really having to work on time management on my own, having to identify, you know, like do prioritization on my own. And it was a massive change. And I would be lying if I said it was easy, right? Like I did not leave my nine to five and start working on my own and just like, oh, I was off to the races and doing great. Right. It took me probably at least six months, maybe even maybe more than that, to even feel like I was starting to get a rhythm down. And, you know, there's a lot that I've learned through this process, but I would be lying if I said, yeah, I just like left my nine to five and jumped into entrepreneurship. And like, I was, I was rolling because that, that was not the case, right? Figuring out how to structure my days, figuring out where to focus my time, where to focus my energy was a real challenge for me. I feel like that's a challenge for every entrepreneur. I still feel we're like four and a half years in and there's still days where I'm like, wait, what? Like, how am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do today? How am I supposed to structure my day? Yeah. Yeah. You know, someone, um, I don't know how the two of you do it, but someone gave me advice around like dedicating a certain day to certain tasks. Right. So, you know, Monday is your like, hypothetically speaking, right? Like your admin day, Tuesday is your social media day, Wednesday is, you know, your meeting day, that kind of thing. And, um, that kind of structure has been helpful for me. Um, but you know, I'm still working through it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Court and I talk all the time about, and also it's kind of crazy, like through the four years of our business too, like it's nothing stays the same. Like there is no yeah. consistency to the routine. And usually it's like the outside elements that are like creating that chaos. But like, for me, I feel like every season, my kids are doing something different. So I have to do something different. And then it's so easy to like go out there and like, look at other people's schedules and like, be like, oh, I should do that. Or like, I should have a morning routine or I should have like this kind of structure to my day, or I should have a CEO day. And it's like really about just, you just need to figure out like your own life and what works for you and where you feel good and confident. And like, yeah. that is what's going to make the difference because there's so many like perfect routines out there that can make you go crazy or make you exactly. feel like crap because you don't have one. And it's like, there's a season for everything. Like, yeah, sometimes you have great routines and sometimes you don't and you just figure it out and you figure out what works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, my husband also left his nine to five to start his own thing. And we did this around the same time, which like we're crazy people. So, you know, we both went from having so much structure in our day to now the two of us, you know, we'll be like walking around the house sometime being like, oh yeah, like, you know, like, how are you, like, what do you, what do you have on your schedule today? Like, how are you thinking about doing stuff? And sometimes, you know, for him, he's like, you know what, I'm most productive from 10 to midnight, right? So that's when I'm going to do my, you know, power hour where I tend to be like mornings is when I need to, you know, add some structure to my day. And after that, um, you know, I'm a little more comfortable being fluid so long as I get that morning structure in, Mm -hmm. but, um, it's definitely, um, it's definitely been a change for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're, we're in that same boat too. We, Courtney's husband also owns his own business. Mine mine quit in January as well and is pursuing something new, which we thought about bringing him on the podcast to talk about that later. So TBD on that. But yeah, it's pure chaos. Like, yeah, we're all in the same life right now. (laughs) We're all like, are we crazy for all having our own businesses? But it's fun. It makes taxes really complicated. I will say that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I love partnership. I realized it's a podcast, but I just really appreciated all of our eyes widening, like at the word taxes. We're like, oh, (laughs) I know. Thank goodness Uh, there's people out there to help with that. My gosh. Uh, so you mentioned something when you had submitted, um, just like the questionnaire to come on the podcast and you talked about circular fashion. Mm. I would love for you to talk more about that because also fashion, the world of fashion, other than the research I've done in the SEO landscape is like, that's, that's about it. Like, I'm like just there. So I'd love to learn more about circular fashion and why it's kind of gaining momentum right now. Yeah. So circular fashion, um, I live and breathe in the circular fashion space. So I think of circular fashion as really kind of that never ending journey, um, of a garment, right. That starts at the, like the very beginning of its, you know, production cycle and like literally think of, you know, a circle, right. Like all like its whole life cycle, how it's designed, Um, how it's produced, the materials that are used to produce it, how it's distributed, how it's shipped, how it's worn, what happens after it's worn, is it donated, is it resold, is it upcycled, right? It's really that whole journey of a garment. So increasingly, um, circular fashion is getting a lot of attention in the fashion space and also in really like the environmental community, because um, 
fashion is one of the largest contributor, new fashion is one of the largest contributors to um, greenhouse gas emissions in the entire world, right? New fashion actually contributes more emissions than uh, global shipping and flights combined every single year, okay? Which is insane. And it's around, it's everywhere, right? Like we pick up our phones or on Instagram or we're scrolling through, you know, oh, look at this cute top from Amazon. Look at this, you know, e-commerce brand that is, you know, making this great sweater for fall. It, it is literally everywhere. Fashion is everywhere. It is so normal. We go to Target, right? It's everywhere. And circular fashion is really, really gaining momentum in this space because we are starting to realize that, oh, we can't just like keep endlessly producing garments that just end up getting thrown away in a landfill, right? And even, you know, I, I know a lot of us are like, oh, well, you know, when I'm done with something or it doesn't fit anymore or whatever, I donate it, right? And we can feel good about donating it. And the reality is, is that even when we donate pieces, <laughs> oftentimes they end up in landfills also, right? So basically how, from an industry perspective, what are the choices that we can make from both the, you know, supply side, the people producing, the companies producing these garments, um, and even, you know, like the textiles that we're using all the way through consumers, right? As shoppers, as people who need to wear clothes in society, right? What are what can we do a little differently to extend the life cycle of a garment? So that that is circular fashion, right? It's how do we thoughtfully, responsibly design, source, produce, distribute, recycle the pieces that we are wearing. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the rise of like capsule closets and like all mm. of the things too of having more quality, less quantity. Like, I think yeah. that is definitely increasing right now. And it's coming from, like, I think it comes from both, like the sustainability aspect of it and also like feeling good about what you're buying, but it also comes a little bit from decision fatigue. Like people are so yeah. tired of having to make yes. these decisions of like, yes. what should I wear? And it should always be different. Like I should always be dressing different. I can't wear this dress more than once because I took a picture at a wedding with it. Like we don't, like society in general is just like, you don't repeat close, right? <laughs> right. Consume, consume, yeah. consume. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's pretty crazy. There was actually a study um, that came out, it was like a two weeks ago or something. Um, so there's a circular fashion software company called Trove, and they basically um, help fashion brands um, roll out resale programs, essentially, right? And they were looking at how the impact of resale um, actually contributes or doesn't contribute to like the emissions of a given fashion brand, right? They did like this big study. And the study actually concluded that for like fast fashion brands who have resale programs, which actually are, you know, is most of the big fast fashion brands today. So like, you know, the, the bad word, Shein, uh, H&M, Zara, like they all have their own resale programs actually. And um, the study essentially concluded that for those fast fashion brands, resale doesn't really make a big difference at all. It impacted the reduction of CO2 emissions by less than 1%. And um, for premium brands, it was actually very different, right? So premium brands that have their own resale programs, they're producing less overall. They might be using more quality materials. Resale has a meaningful impact on sustainability efforts for those premium brands. But for those fast fashion brands, their efforts are gonna be much better spent on making changes to how they make clothes rather than just trying to resell them. 
And then, you know, from personal experience, I think we can all kind of relate to like, oh, that thing from H&M is probably not going to last for like years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. <very real. laughs> so where do you love to shop? Like for you oh. or for your clients? Mm-hmm. I would love to know. Yes. Online, in person, all the things. Yes, yes, yes. So um, it's funny. I, I often tell the people I work with, my clients, um, like resale does not have to be all or nothing. So sometimes people are like, oh, like I would shop secondhand more, but like, I don't have the time. Right. And, um, I have to remind people, like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like that would be completely unreasonable to completely overhaul all of your habits and routines to only shop at thrift stores or consignment stores or the real real or whatever. Um, I shop primarily Poshmark, the real real, and I have a few local consignment stores here in Denver that I love, including Common Threads Denver and uh, Rags Denver. And that's honestly where I get most of my stuff. Poshmark, the real real, and those local consignment stores. Um, that is also where I source for my clients more often than not. Um, there are a or there is a litany of resale marketplaces that have emerged over the past 5, 10, 15 years. Resale is actually growing estimated between seven and 11 times faster than primary retail right now. So um, that includes marketplaces like ThreadUp, Depop. I don't know how much of you know your audience is Gen Z, but like Depop is massive, massive, massive with Gen Z. Um, luxury resale marketplaces like Fashion File or Rebag, for example. Um, you know the old classics like eBay also are still out there, right? But but for me personally, it's a lot of Poshmark, a lot of the Real Real, and my my favorite local consignment stores here in Denver. That's awesome. My husband is an avid Poshmarker and also like the amount of Poshmark boxes we get, it'll just come. He'll like put out bids for things and he'll do like the same thing, like three bids and then they'll all accept. And then he'll be like, Ah! oh, I got a lot of stuff coming. And I'm like, you come on, dude. (laughs) That's amazing. You know what? what? So it's really interesting to hear you share that story because there's a lot of talk in this world right now about, you know, again, we were talking about consume, consume, consume. And, you know, it's like, there's an environmental impact to like shipping all that stuff, you know, however many miles from wherever, right? So there's a lot of conversation in this space right now about like, oh, is like resale encouraging, like over consuming more than it would be otherwise. And I don't know about that, but right. Um, well, and some of them, like the Poshmark. I mean, and I haven't used many apps other than Poshmark. I've used ThreadUp mm-hmm. too. Like, love the ThreadUp like bags and feeling yeah, like yeah. also like to your point, like feeling good about donating, but also then making sure that you're buying from you know good places too. Um, but Poshmark, I mean, it's kind of like a game too, like a gamified way to shop because you're competing for these items. I mean, it's eBay in a vamped up way, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little, little friendlier to use for sure. Yeah. No, but yeah. you know, the reason that, you know, I remind my clients yeah. to embrace resale isn't just, I mean, like, here's the reality. People are like, oh, I want to do something nice for the environment, but generally it is either like an economic driver or, um, you know, like you want a specific piece, you want to feel unique in that piece or something that is the, the primary reason why people tend to go after resale. But I always remind my clients, you get a much better price to value ratio shopping resale than you do primary retail. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it sounds like your husband has fully <laughs> embraced that, right? Like, oh, I can fully. get this thing that I really want for like, 
you know, a fifth of what it might be selling for now or whatever. Oh yeah. Fully. He's always buying vintage Vikings gear. That's usually what it is. It's like yes. all vintage nineties Vikings. So very good. <laughs> I, I love it. So I am, um, I grew up outside of Philadelphia and I'm a massive Philadelphia Eagles fan Ooh. and I can relate to that. I know <laughs> those are fighting words. <laughs> I, right. I, I'm in my green today too. You know, I see that. Um, but I, I definitely relate to the, the vintage sports gear for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Glenn got me addicted to Facebook marketplace. I used to be that person that was always like, I have to buy a brand new, like uh-huh. that's the only way, like, I know that it's new. I know that like mm-hmm. where it's going to be living, where it's, you know, being taken care of. But then I was like, I just recently had a baby. And when it comes to like baby clothes, yeah. I was like, this is insane. First of all, baby clothes are insanely expensive. They grow so fast. I was just like, there's no way I can keep up with this. So I'm constantly like Facebook marketplace. Mm-hmm or goodwill or like even just like Facebook groups where moms are giving away clothes. I'm like, I can't, I have to do this because otherwise I'm spending a fortune on my daughter who's growing by the minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Children's wear is actually the fastest growing resale category. It is projected to grow by 493% in the next decade. Wow. Wow. For for all the reasons you just said, right? Mm -hmm. Like kids outgrow stuff so quickly. It's like, why would you pay for and, for anything. Right. And why put them in anything like super glamorous and nice yes. because it's going to get dirty. It's going to get spit on. It's yeah. yeah there's just no point. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you said something just now that, that, you know, perked up my ears a little bit, which was, you were saying, you know, you always used to be that person who, you know, would just wanted to purchase things new. And, um, I definitely think there's a lot of misconceptions about resale and secondhand, and I think that, you know, one of those things that I hear sometimes from, from, you know, people I work with is they're like, they, they, there's like a little anxiety. Like, is it going to be gross? Is it going to be stained? Is it going to mm-hmm. smell? And, um, the good news is, is like the way that resale marketplaces are set up today, especially all that, you know, online, the digital, um, resale marketplace space, there are so many ways that you can help make, you know, ensure that you're buying something you're going to be really happy with, right? So any consignment model, um, they're doing like a quality check for you, right? And they're going to detail anything that is wrong or flawed or whatever with a piece. And they're not going to sell it if it's not in good condition, right? So whether you're shopping in the real real or thread up or whatever, just pay attention. They're they're going to tell you the condition of the piece. Um, and they're going to detail if, you know, like it's, it has a loose button or something. And if there's anything really wrong about it, they're not going to sell it. Right. Like that's, that's not in their interest. Um, the wild West tends to be more the peer to peer marketplaces, you know, Poshmark, Depop, eBay, that kind of thing. So I always encourage people to ask questions when they are purchasing, um, a piece directly from a seller. I always, always, always ask are there any stains, flaws, or odors? Even if something is marked as new with tags, I always, always, always ask the seller, hey, are there any stains, flaws, or odors? And that way they have a chance to let you know if there's anything, you know, uh, worth noting about the piece. And you have a very, very clear understanding of, oh, you know, actually it's missing a button or, you know, it has a pen mark on the back or something, right? That might not have been initially disclosed. So you can make an informed decision. Yeah. I think that's great that you brought that up because I think that's a big barrier for people when it comes to buying 
things that are used or resale. I think people do get those like yeah. scaries where they're like, oh, I don't know. Like it's probably going to be shipped to me and smell really gross. And like, I then it's my problem and I have to take care of it. And I might not ever wear it because I'm just like put off by it. So I think right. that's a really, really valid right. point. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you can always search by newest tags too, if you want to kind of limit your, um, you know, limit the results of kind of what you're shopping for. Most resale marketplaces today have an option where you can search by newest tags. Um, Fashion File, which is like a luxury marketplace, um, they actually have a really cool filter um, where they will tag an item as being giftable, right? So if it's in such pristine condition, maybe it's still in a box or it's still in, you know, all of its original packaging, you can actually filter by something that's giftable. So I, re I really love that tag from Fashion File. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. You said something that I think it, it was just super interesting and kind of eye-opening because we talk a lot about um, your like living and breathing your brand, right? And like mm. being your personal brand, infusing your personality into your business, like that being so important. And identifying your brand values of like, which a lot of people have these brand values of like zero waste, giving back, yeah. sustainability, like yeah. all of these go so deep that we don't think about the fact that we can live and breathe those in the brand clothes we buy for our photo shoot. Like those little yeah. tiny things that we do help make our brand bigger than what it is. And I think so that true. is so cool to think about that from this aspect of like, what are you wearing every day? Are you actually living and breathing your brand? Because you probably can so much deeper than you thought. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's spot on. I think, um, you know, I would be, uh, it would be so disingenuous, for example, for me to show up and being like, I could help you navigate the resale world if I'm out there, you know, just wearing, you know, head to toe, brand new fast fashion, right? That would be completely disingenuous to the things that I care about and the things that I want to help, you know, my clients, um, you know, also achieve in their day-to-day -day lives, right? So I, I think that's absolutely spot on. And, you know, we were talking about misconceptions a little bit earlier. Every once in a while, some people bristle when they hear resale because they think it's, you know, it's only vintage or it's only costume stuff, right? Or, you know, they're going to look like they walked out of the 1970s or something. And that's just not the case, right? It is completely, not only possible, but, um, you know, likely that, you know, let, let's say you have like a big, um, you know, like a, a big appearance coming up, you know, you're, you're headlining a big event, you're at a conference, you're um, moderating a panel or something, right? With today's options and resale, like you can absolutely find something that is going to be fashionable and stylish and modern and you and reflect whatever it is that is important to you and your brand. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, brands having um, values that align to like zero waste and sustainability. And increasingly that's, you know, something that I think businesses are, are so much more attuned to than they used to be, right? They recognize that it's important to not just, um, you know, their own business, but to how their audience perceives them and the things that their audience cares about. And um, absolutely what we wear and how we show up in the world, I think should be a reflection of our our, our brand and our brand values. Mm -hmm. I think there's this other positive thing about it too, is like, I know if I've bought in something, you know, resale and I wear it and somebody compliments me and they're like, oh my gosh, where'd you get that? Isn't mm -hmm. it kind of fun to be like, 
oh, I got this at that vintage store, blah, blah, blah. And then you know that they can't go out and buy the same exact thing that you have. So it's just like this confidence booster. You're like, oh, I'll tell you where I got this. It's not like you're just like, oh, Target, where everybody else is going to get it, you know? Exactly. So it's just that like confident boost. And it is that unique piece that you know no one else around you is going to own. Exactly. Exactly. You have it spot on. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reel going around about like, you know, when you thrift something, you don't have to tell someone how much it costs. And it's like, ah, oh, sorry. Yes, I do. <laughs> because you're like proud. You're proud. Because of you that. want to. Yeah, yeah. You're proud of like that. the fact yeah, This that is a perfect it. example. This is from, what is this? Um, this bright green blouse is from Eero, which is this like lovely French label, if you're not familiar with it. And um, I bought this new with tags on Poshmark for like 30 something bucks. You know, it retails for like I don't know, 200 something. And I was like, this right? is like a big blind. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yep. It's crazy. There's also, I will say too, it's bizarre. And I'd love to know your take on this too, based on like the clients you work with, their people you work with. But yeah. our generation, like we have that like ick factor for some reason of like buying used or whatever. Um, I have been in thrift stores mm-hmm. that are up priced so much like something that should be probably five dollars because it has holes in it it is ripped it is jagged it is like all the things they're selling it for like a hundred bucks because the gen z generation is like booming from my perspective of like some of these thrift stores they're like oh my goodness this is like vintage because of this like it doesn't matter that has holes in it like this is just like you can sell it for so much money and I'm like what is happening like this is this is a bizarre world to me which I don't I'm assuming you're experiencing that yeah so it's funny sometimes when people hear especially the name of my business right the resale stylist Emily she does the resale stuff right they kind of make some assumptions and they're like, oh, you must be really into thrifting, right? Or are you a professional reseller? And the answer is I'm actually not a big thrifter and I'm actually not a professional reseller. And I can go into what both of those terms mean because I think it's so easy for um, like vocab to, you know, get a little Mm -hmm. confusing here. So Thrift stores, and I'm going to come come right back to what you said, Abby, about this like boom with Gen Z and thrift stores, thrifting, like the thrift halls, thrift <laughs> stores. Okay. Thrifting is different from consignment. Okay. So thrift stores are going to be your Goodwills, your Salvation Army, your, um, I live in the West, right? So like ARC is a big uh, brand out here in the West. Um, these are essentially, you know, people donate their items, right? People bring the items to the Goodwill. They donate their items, Goodwill or whatever it is, you know, marks them up a little bit, usually not that much, but they're going to mark them up a little bit and then they sell them, right? But um, they, like, you, um, the person who is donating those pieces is not receiving a cut of, you know, whatever that piece sells for as opposed to a consignment model, which is very, very different, right? A consignment model is going to be very judicious about what they accept. They may, they're probably not going to accept most pieces that are brought to them. And then you, the seller who is bringing the piece to the consignment store or the online consignment marketplace is going to get a cut of what that piece sells for. So with thrift stores, again, your Goodwills, your Salvation Army, that kind of thing, they are not, there's no discerning eye right? That is like, oh, you know, this doesn't meet the, I shouldn't say there's no discerning eye, but there's less of a discerning eye for what goes out on the floor, right? And you're going to find pieces that are um, 
generally much less um, expensive, expensively priced than what you're going to find at a consignment store. However, every once in a while, yeah, you're going to see something that is like, oh, here's this coach bag from 1992. And it is, you know, the whole interior is stained and Goodwill hasn't worked up for like a hundred bucks or something. And there's holes in it. And you're like, what am I going to do with this? Right. Um, it has been really interesting to see the rise of like thrift hauls, especially on TikTok. I know the Washington Post did an article about this a few weeks ago. And, you know, all of the content creators who are um, basically creating these like thrift haul boxes for, for people. And you say, oh, you know, I'm a size medium and here's a few hundred bucks and just send me all the size mediums from your thrift haul. Right. And that's, and that's a business, right. And these content creators are really successful doing that. And consumers seem to be really happy getting a box of size medium stuff from a thrift store. Right. Um, that is not the business I am in. <laughs> But it has been really fascinating to watch that phenomenon kind of explode. Um, and listen, you know, if if that's your thing, great. Like I'm glad people are doing that. But that's that's not that's right. That's not the business I'm in, and that, that's not the audience that I serve. Yeah, it's crazy. At least here in Minnesota, up north, like especially like we went we go up to Lutzen every year, mm -hmm. um, and just like up by Lake Superior, there are a lot of private thrift stores that people have started that, and there's not a lot of options. Like when you go up North, like there's yeah. just, it's very limited. You don't have a big city. You don't have shopping malls. You don't have anything like that, but there are tons of thrift stores with really marked up items that it's just, it's kind of crazy, but also yeah. they're successful. So it's a whole different world up there. Yeah. And listen, I get a lot of times, um, you know, people like to feel things, right? I get that online shopping is tricky because not only can you not try things on, you cannot feel the fabric of something, right? So um, I always recommend to clients, um, you know, pay attention to the fabric, right? Consignment, um, consignment platforms will list the fabric content. So you have a sense of, you know, is this polyester or is this cotton, right? Like you'll, you'll get a good sense of that. Um, and then uh, on peer-to-peer -peer platforms, again, you know, Poshmark, Depop, that kind of thing. Um, always ask, you know, ask what the ask what the material is, right? So that you have a sense of um, what it is that you're getting. Because I I get that one of the appeals of of you know shopping in person is again like actually feeling a piece, getting a sense for it, and then also trying it on, right? So the other thing I recommend is knowing your measurements um, when you're shopping online because it's it's wild to me that. Um, you know, like primary retail hasn't caught on to the fact that like including measurements in a piece can be helpful to help reduce, you know, returns and waste and all that. But one of the most amazing things is about resale is that um, online resale marketplaces almost always include measurements. So um, if you know your measurements, you just, you know, look and see if you're interested in a piece, just check the measurements. And um, that can really, really help you make an informed decision about like, oh, this thing is probably going to fit because I know my measurements and, um, you know, I can purchase this confidently. Yeah. So a lot of our audience is like entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, or people who are aspiring to do that. Do you have like, what kind of tips do you have for those people who might be working more so in a home and just like thinking like, oh, I don't even think about this. Like I just put on sweats in the morning and I don't even think about my style, but like, 
understanding this and then how to get started and kind of finding that, yeah. like how, how should you get started and finding your own personal style as an entrepreneur who might work from home? Yeah. Great question. So a couple of things, there have been studies over the years that have shown that what we wear, you know, impacts our performance. Um, one of my favorites comes out of a Yale study and they basically like segmented participants into two groups and they said, Hey, group one, you're going to wear sweatpants. Hey, group two, you're going to wear, you know, posh, smart, snappy suits. Okay. And they gave these groups the exact same exercise. They were supposed to like participate in these like mock real estate negotiations, exact same exercise. Okay. No other variables other than what they were wearing. And the group that performed that like did this exercise in like the snappy suits ended up negotiating um, like theoret, you know, it's all an exercise. They ended up negotiating a theoretical profit that was 209% more than the group in the sweatpants. Okay. And they did the exact same exercise. And that's one of my favorite studies, but there are other studies over the years that have basically shown and demonstrated similar results, right? That when we get dressed up, it's almost like, you know, it's like we put on our costume or an armor or something. We're like, oh, we're going to dress for this task in front of us right now, that positively impacts the outcome of that task, right? So for those who are thinking about starting their own business or they have an idea and they want to get to work, um, I, I do generally recommend dressing up a little bit, right? These studies show that putting on um, I don't use the word like fancier or like business, business attire, because I don't want to like put categories around it like that, but dressing in something that feels really good to you, where you feel smart, you feel successful, you feel like you're embodying that thing, that goal that you have in mind, just dressing up in those clothes actually increases like our abstract thinking and those outcomes. So I definitely recommend just putting on something that is really going to, um, again, you can, you can pretend it's armor or a costume if you need to. Um, one of my absolute things that I kind of always recommend is wear a good pair of shoes. And I know even if we're working from home, you're like, why do I need to wear shoes at all? Like I'm in my chair, I'm sitting across there or whatever. I'm on my couch, right? Wearing a really good pair of shoes I have found has been I don't know, you're like literally stepping in to who you want to be and what you want to achieve, right? If I'm putting on running shoes, like I'm going for a run, right? Or I'm going to feel strong in whatever it is that I'm doing. If I'm wearing a pair of heels, I'm going to feel like, okay, I'm like a badass boss behind this desk, making decisions and delegating and ruling the world, right? So I really recommend if, if you don't want to overhaul everything, because like that's overwhelming, put on a really good pair of shoes and, um, I'll stand, I'll stand by that. I love it. That is the that one is thing that I miss. Know. I miss probably that the most from the agency shoes. days, which court, yeah, court knows. Uh, well, I'm only five feet tall. So like there, most mm. days I would wear heels, not like high heels, but I would wear heels almost every single day. And that is one thing that I miss. And my husband even said something the other day, cause I wore heels. I don't know what we were doing. We were going somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was wearing heels and he's going, he's like, do you ever wear heels? I like, <laughs> don't. I'm like, do you remember? Like, it wasn't that long ago. I was like three years ago. Do you yeah. remember that I wore heels every day to work? And he's like, I yeah. don't know. It feels like a lifetime yeah. ago. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. agree. But Listen, I, I get it. So I, I have feet issues, right? So I cannot walk around in heels much anymore, but sometimes I will put them on when I'm just sitting at my desk doing work. 
And I know that that sounds insane and crazy, but for me, it actually really helps put me in the right mindset. And I have so many heels. I, from the agency day, that was like the one thing I was like, I can wear heels every day. This is amazing. And now I haven't touched those heels probably in about like four and a half years. So I'm going to go put on a pair after this. And listen, it doesn't have to be heels, right? Again, like I also feel strong in my running shoes or in the shoes Mm -hmm. that I wear, you know, when I'm strength training or something too. So, you know, just find a, find a shoe that gives you the foundation that that you want. And you're like, you feel good in a good pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Next time you're recording a course, you have a guest podcast interview, you have a speaking opportunity that's online. Like, I think those are awesome tips too, just to make sure that you're like stepping into that confidence, just like you would if you were in person. So absolutely. Yeah. That's great advice. Okay. Do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Oh, closing thoughts. I don't know. Like, like I said, resale doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like I leaned into it because again, I was able to find pieces that helped me feel good and feel like me at a price point that had a much better price to value ratio. And again, like you don't have to completely overhaul your routines to get a better deal, to do something better for the environment, to find a good piece, right? Even if you, you know, just Here's an example I use sometimes, right? Generally for like a, just a new pair of jeans when we're shopping for a new pair of jeans, it takes about 2,400 gallons of water to make a single new pair of jeans, right? So imagine if you just replace that one pair of jeans that you would usually buy brand new with a pair of jeans that you pick up from the real real or Poshmark or on Facebook marketplace or whatever, Right you are having a positive impact in this world, right? And it doesn't require you overhauling all of your routines, right? So um, I would say start small and um, yeah, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I love it. All right, where can everyone go to find you and just hear more about what you offer? Of course, you can always learn more about me and my business at theresalestylist.com and I am the resale stylist across all social media. Awesome. Lovely. Well, thank you so much, Emily. It was so awesome to have you on the podcast. Oh, it was so great to be here. If you liked this episode, please be sure to share it with a friend and subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes dropping every Monday. Plus, if you haven't already, please leave us a review and don't hesitate to share any new episode ideas. We love hearing from you and creating this content for you. See you next week.